Blog Talk Radio. Wait, 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 wait. Before the pipe bombs start dropping on this show, um, I figure I seek right down to earth the language here that every wrestling fan can understand. Let's hit the music, shall we? chest that had not gotten off my chest if they hadn't already before some generalized things that I noticed during Blood and Guts on AEW's AEW Dynamite and also tonight's theme if you will WWE's Night and Day it's still going on right now folks as we speak there's only 52 minutes left in the programming or 53 or whatever uh, whatever show's planned for WWE Raw, which uh, has vastly improved, if you will, and as far as, you know, giving giving the fans exactly what they want, what they need to see, what they don't want to see. Sometimes it sometimes dissipates, and it dissipated at WrestleMania 37. They weren't really going for crowd-pleasing. They were going for, um, how do I put this? They wanted the crowd to have fun. They wanted them to get up. They wanted them to boo. They wanted them to cheer. But, you know, like I said, I get off track, if you notice. First and foremost, I'm going to discuss with you all tonight my thoughts and feelings about AEW Dynamite's latest installment of Blood and Guts. And that seemed to be the main focus of the last discussion with Pizza Simpson. Okay, and he will, we will be moving off the rails uncensored to Fridays. Well, actually, it's going to be a reprise. I'm going to be doing three episodes a week, if possible. If not, then we'll just be doing as many episodes as I can. There's that. So we're not going to discuss too much of WWE. I seem to inject them in a lot into this conversation, or actually a, a lot into the show. So tonight's focus, not just going to be total rambling rant about how Blood and Guts was terrible and, you know, how, you know, it was, oh, you know, Jericho took a safe bump off the top of the cage. Oh, the, 
cage was poorly constructed. That's only the tip of the iceberg on my criticisms when it comes to AEW. AEW, I like, but I also dislike. I like the fact that they're competition for WWE. I dislike the fact that they're putting all their good matches, or their match qualities, um, or not match, yeah. They're putting all their good quality matches, live network television. Does that matter? Yes, because they think, you know, oh, we're going to eat up the competition in WWE. That's funny. Um, (laughs) Here's the deal. AEW ratings. I want to read this. It says, so... AEW has more than doubling NXT in the key demos viewers with 411,000 viewers aged 18 to 49 versus 204,000. So a 101% advantage, AEW Diamond has brought in 150,000 more total viewers than NXT in 2021, a 23% gap. And that's March 30th, 2021. It says uh, how AEW Dynamite toppled NXT in the, in the uh, Wednesday Night Wars. Well, I can tell you why they toppled them. Because NXT is so uniformed that they're... This is kind of the reverse of when it was WCW versus WWF. Because now they're WWE, but... Blood and guts. I'm going to focus on that instead of the fucking numbers. Because if I remember correctly, the rules were two men enter the ring. And it was very war game themed. So, I believe Sammy Guevara was the first man that entered that match. And then, in succession, you had the tag team, and you had Hager, and then you had Jericho. MJF, you know, is supposed to be this fucking uber heel. And it came, but only five minutes. Actually, longer than that, to throw Jericho off the top of the cage. But let me back up for a minute, shall we? So, the rules of Blood and Guts were you had to wait till all the men got in the ring. And then, someone had from another team, someone from one team, had to submit the other man, or the other man had to surrender. The creative genius behind that I mean, it looks good on paper. And we all saw, we all witnessed the aftermath that AEW had done when Jericho landed off into a set of tables on the stage and it took for fucking ever and a day to throw him off the fucking cage. One. Two, let's rewind even further. So, Santana and Ortiz. You know, Sean Spears and and Wardlow and FTR. These are all very talented dudes. Some of them formerly from WWE. Like I said, I don't mean to mention... I actually, I'm going to fucking do it. The match that AEW presented, yes, their viewership trounced NXT 
and double, you know, they had an advantage with the demographics. That is because those demographics are the guys, the sick sadist fuckers that want to see blood and they want to see guts. You know, my co-host is infatuated with blood and guts and I don't, I don't blame him. You know, every wrestling fan has a different flavor of metaphorical ice cream that they want to taste and that they want to experience. This match, as I watched the entire flow of it, so you want to get as many guys in the ring as you can. And when I saw Wardlow and Hager, this was mentioned on the prior show, some of these matchups could have been used at a major pay-per-view instead of live TV. Jericho literally resurrected that shit show of a match. The chops between that, or was it Drac, or whatever the fuck his name, Dash? Yeah. The chops that he was giving to Guevara was just absolutely shit-tastic. And Ric Flair was probably saying, holy fuck, what have I done? Because quality of a chop is supposed to make you go, woo! Not woo. Because those chops were about as weak as if a 12-year-old was to get in the ring with you and you see him try and chop a dude's chest. Now, not to say that Sammy Guevara or Dax were uh, slouches by any stretch of the means. And there were a lot of times when the commentators had to fix the fuck-ups in ring, including Sammy Guevara trying to do a missile drop kick off the uh, off the top rope while he was doing it here. In exchange, you know, the Irish whip reversal, Irish whip exchange, arm to arm, arm to arm, throw him into the ropes and see what the fuck happens. Well, you saw him just fly. And then he just completely, I don't know, they're like, could you do it? I have done that. If it's proper training to answer that question, I don't think I, well, yeah. Because these are the same guys that will watch the film that go, oh, man, uh, sorry about that. I, I didn't mean to do it that way. Okay, guys. If if need be, there comes a time when you do a move. It's not just moves, but you have the sequences planned out in 10-man tag match, especially a, a cage match that's essentially a watered-down death match, which, okay, some people get it, some people don't. The quality of the cage match, especially war game style, is supposed to be one in which you're left on the edge of your seat and you want to come back to see more. Each competitor, there's no doubt about it, they are extremely talented. On the microphone, probably yes, because these guys are the ones that back in the day before AEW was conceived had the ability. And I'm talking about MJF, Chris Jericho, Sean Spears, not so much. Wardlow, don't, don't even. Hager, if it wasn't for the list, then I wouldn't care. Um, FTR, I know they're a good promo. 
I know that Dax or Dash and oh fuck, I forget their names, but you know these are the guys that set the fucking tone. Before they were in AEW, they were known as, oh, you know, these guys are going to be the greatest thing ever since sliced bread, you know, coming in here. They're very talented. They, from the ground up, they work their ass off. Again, literally Lashley versus fucking McIntyre. Okay, whatever. WrestleMania Backlash. Okay. I completely forgot about that pay-per-view. Which will happen this Sunday on Peacock, which is $4.99 a month. And WWE is one of the features on there. Anyways, I get sidetracked. So, back to AEW Dynamite and them having their little War Games theme match. There were times when Excalibur kind of had to fucking cover not only the Sammy Guevara mess up, but there were times, you know, when Wardlow and Hager were exchanging, and it just looked absolutely atrocious. And these guys looked like they were rushing through the match because they knew they had a certain time limit that had to be fulfilled by TNT in order for them to get their shit in or whatever. I just felt like there needed to be a better flow. If it's five minutes for a guy to start a match, it was very NXT. When NXT had more talent being able to flow on the roster, right? So if I'm looking at this War Games theme match of blood and guts, and I see the guys who started the match. Not a bad choice, but then it's like, okay, so you guys say you want to steer clear of uh, NXT or anything related to the WWE or anything related to, you know, from the past and the original. They, I get it. They had the gig because it was blood and guts. Guts, I just, honestly, I don't, think I want to see glass shards in a chair you know being slammed through a dude's back I know some idiots will probably sit there and say well I want to see this shit I don't care it's fucking awesome it's amazing man the adrenaline rush brother well to be honest with you watching that match back on DVR I wanted to put my head in the toilet and say someone please put their foot on my face and push flush so it can suck my head right off it's because Again, the matchups that were supposed to happen at a fucking pay-per-view now are going to be wasted because some of these guys may be a little bit banged up. Seems how they fucking gigged way too quick. Like, I would have saved the gigging for, like, maybe, I don't know, after. And also, someone pointed something out. The gigging really did it happen because, I mean, it looks like caked, dried-up fake blood to me between MJF and Chris Jericho. Hello, Chris. I think MJF's a great talent, but if you look at the pictures on the website, judging from that, it looks I mean, there's if you were really gigging, blood would be flowing all over you, and it wouldn't fucking have dried up because that naturally when you gig on the top of your fucking forehead, right? And take quarter of a knife out, you know, put it in between your your fist, and you do a little Ash Wednesday action on the. Don't want to fucking cut vessel because then you fucking be bleeding to kingdom come and then you might have to go to the ER. But MJ, the look on it, MJF and Jericho, that blood didn't seem fucking real at all. If it was, holy shit, 
that looked, you know, legitimized, but it, it just seemed like you took a blood capsule from Hot Topic and then, you know, smashed it because it's like, um, if anybody who's ever worked a death match or a cage match or a hardcore match in general, when you gig and you do it right, you will see blood dripping. And that blood looks like it fucking caked up and then, you know, didn't go anywhere. It was just staying put. It looked like it had dried. There's, I mean, is there a possibility that blood can dry on your face? Yeah. After you fight for so long and you don't fucking get hit or you don't move or you don't use fake fucking blood. I'm not saying the others. The others are probably really fucking gig because it looked like they're... The blood flow on Wardlow's face, the blood flow on Hager's face. I mean, those guys fought the two big in, in that match. Disappointing. They, I'm going backwards, if I will, folks, on the entrance. If I really took a look at, you know, reflecting on that match, blood and guts on that Wednesday night uh, for AEW, did it take away from the other things that were going on that night? Yeah, it did. Um, as far as the demographics go, as they have 109.7 advantage, this was March 30th, by the way, from reading those statistics. And their demographic is the 18 to 49. A lot of those folks, including myself, will probably tell you that one of the reasons why we tuned into AEW is because, you know, they give us what we want and they don't leave you hanging and they're just direct. Well, if there's any direct criticism, you know, this is not to say, well, you guys are horrible, but next time that you guys have a pay-per-view style match, save it for the fucking pay-per-view. That's all I have to say about that because everything else that AEW does apparently gets noticed because look at all the, look at all the attention it's garnering from the ratings. But eventually that stuff's going to run out because fans will be like, well, I've, you know, I've already seen it. I don't want to see it again. Some of us will say that. Others will say, I want to see it again. I wouldn't mind fucking seeing it again. Or seeing it again. Um, I'm going to tell you right now, after watching that match, it was so bad that I had enough thoughts left over to come on here tonight and stay up and look at the, look at the entire match from top to bottom. I can truly say, as a fan, watching Blood and Guts, and it wasn't that great. It was very disappointing. Like it, not only the biggins entering the mat, entering the match, you had Wardlow and you had Hager, who absolutely are supposed to be like the Godzilla versus King Kong representation, of you know from Pinnacle and uh, Inner Circle. Inner Circle reminds me a lot of now. The NWO Wolfpack, they were kind of reminiscent of the NWO, just expanded. Then you've got Pinnacle, who now took on the role of the NWO Black and White, because look at who's leading them. A guy who is basically the mirror image of Chris Jericho, in a sense. Supposed to be the fucking heel. He's supposed to be the guy... That you absolutely cannot stand. And in the match. He was going to knock the fuck out of Jericho with something. 
And then the uh, Guevara said, we surrender. Because he was going to knock him in the fucking face with a fucking chair off the goddamn ring. And then, he, you know, Jericho lands and bumps safely. It's like, okay, is there anything else that I can discuss? Mm, well, it seems like the entire match was rushed. They had the gig, but it looked like Jericho's and MJF's gigging job absolutely was fucking... That's a no-no, man. In wrestling, you want a gig? Fine, if it makes sense. Well, this time it had to make sense because there's so many build-ups, you know, of the the guys in on inside the cage and fucking chaos going on. They had the fucking gig because there was a theme. Blood and guts. Dash and Dawson, sorry. I now just remembered their names of FTR. What does it take, you know, to make a simple, good wrestling match, even though if it includes gigging, how do you make it simplistic? It has to have chaos, but at the same time, the match could have been a wrestling match also. Because if you don't include certain elements for me, at least from my vantage point, if you don't include certain elements in your match, how am I supposed to fucking follow it? When every fucking five to seven minutes, there's like, well, here we got this chaos going on here. Now we've got this chaos going on there. It's just like, I'm really trying to figure out what it is that's going to make this flow better. Simply because I rewatched it, and I'm saying to myself, you know, Moxley has a point. You don't ever want your competition to go downhill, but AEW is very fortunate that they're still fuck brand spank fucking new, or brand, yeah, whatever the fucking, uh, you know what, they're brand fucking new, and each time they have presented a show through which there have been awesome matches, you know, Thunder Roses versus that bitch, I mean, Britt Baker, they presented big style matches, but they're doing, they're doing the same thing WCW did, and that's presenting their matches that are like pay-per-view quality, ten, you know, five stars out of five star matches, but they're happening on network fucking television. Hmm. Does that sound familiar to anybody who's fucking listening to this shit? AEW's got a lot of good talent, but whoever is in charge of your guys' creative shit, let me just point this out. Some people may disagree with me wholeheartedly and go into their own little tangents about why Blood and Guts was so great and so it was cheesy, but it worked. Like, dude, I love Chris Jericho. I'm not disrespecting him. I'm just telling you what could improve. What makes me boiling mad is the fact that people are like, well, they've got better ratings. Okay, so explain why on their merch page you have to go to pro wrestling tees or actually order off Amazon because now they've uh, expanded their marketing. It's not just their fucking advertising in their, you know, in their shop. It's the fact that Blood and Guts should have been advertised at a pay-per-view, not on Dynamite. Same thing with Darby Allen defending his title week in and week out. I get it. You want to do something new, great. 
I just want to point out that you know, in a in a cage that doesn't didn't even look prepared, I was thinking to myself, if I was the guy involved in that match, there's literally no room for if you fall, whoever did the dimensions of the cage, you fucked up. You fucked up. If I had to take a bump to the outside, I would just say, just fucking screaming through the fucking cage so we can have room. I don't care if I land on mesh. Yeah, that bitch will hurt. But uh, if you land on the floor and there's like no space in between the mesh and the ground, that's like the ring's already up a certain amount of feet. You yourself as the athlete is falling to the outside. That was one of my concerns during that match was what if some guy falls really, really bad outside the ring where there's no fucking room and he's going to be smushed in between mesh and apron. So if he really like had something happen like a sidewalk slam or a Samoan drop or a fallaway slam and he landed in between the cage, you know, the cage mesh and the fucking apron, that would have brained him. It would have cussed him. It would have paralyzed him. And the fact that Tully Blanchard got involved, are we really that surprised? I'm not surprised because he's the fucking manager, so he had to, you know, get the key to something for MJF, I guess, to interfere, and then he gets his comeuppance. Okay, that makes sense. But then we're sitting here as fans watching the drizzling shit that was this match of blood and guts on AEW Dynamite last week, which somehow garnered like two times as many fans as NXT, it's because, yeah, Blood and Guts is a catchy title. Is it wrong for me to start criticizing a group of people whom I barely watch? No, because now I had to pick up watching them because they have on their show headline matches. So... I'm of course just gonna consider the fact or consider the facts. When I watch a match, I watch it from two perspectives. Former worker and fan. The former worker wants to say, I'm not involved in this company, I'm commending them for trying. The fan of me says, Boy, these <laughs> some of these matches are drizzling shit and some of the characters need to get their own originality. Oh, but wait, we want to talk about originality They end up blending anyways So it's kind of hard and interesting To come up with original concepts I don't fucking think so If you come up with a concept That actually gets the fans going And gets them simplistic claps Or gets them to say yes, yes, yes Or no, no, no You're doing your job Simplifying gimmicks Or simplifying matches Should not be a chore and a half but it seems like, you know, both AEW and WWE are just overcompensating for, you know, whatever it is they're trying to overcompensate for, which means putting quality matches that should end up on pay-per-view. Sometimes WWE is guilty of it, too, which by the time I get done with this show is by the time that this, you know, Raw has ended, but I'm going to try and find out what went on tonight. A live by live show So Lashley versus McIntyre For the WWE Championship Before Wrestlemania 
Lunar Dome at Union Center in Tampa, Florida. Main event is Lashley versus McIntyre. RK Bro and New Day versus Elias. Just what the fuck? I must have been missing out on something. I'm going to transition, folks, from AEW to WWE Raw just for a moment, if you will. And this is what I'm talking about, the night and day theory for WWE. What the fuck? Riddle and Orton as a team? Okay. RKO Bro and New Day versus Elias and Jackson Riker. AJ Styles and almost and a six women tag match with Charlotte Flair, Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler taking on the team of Oscar, Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke. So, raw results on my blog from eight ten. So Oscar, sexy muscle friends versus Charlotte Flair, Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler. So that's what the show opened up with. Wow, you know what? They're trying to. They opened up with Mankind. Let's see here. The public enemy is not the man who speaks his mind. The public enemy is the man that goes and acts blind, searching for an answer he'll never find. Okay. Let's hear it. I'm just here to live blog this here pro wrestling show, folks. Asuka and Sexy Muscle Friends, as they win... Looks like Oscar and Sexy Muscle win by pinfall with the running knee from Oscar on, on Dana Brooke. What? That doesn't make sense. Wait, dude. Hold on. Did this blog have a... I don't understand. It, on Dana Brooke or Charlotte Flair? This guy must... Uh, let's see here. Uh, post-match Flair lays Oscar out with a big boot. New Day hanging out backstage when that riddle scoots up and thanks them for the registration forms, claiming RK Bro will be an official tag team in just a few weeks. Okay. So commercial break. So Adam Pierce is backstage chatting with Damian Priest when Miz and John Morrison roll up. Okay. Jeff Hardy versus Jinder Mahal. Wow. Jinder Mahal wins pinfall uh, with Callis. AJ Styles, Elias, Jackson, Riker, and Omos versus New Day, Kofi Kingston. So, uh, New Day and RK Bro win by pinfall with RKO from Randy Orton on Elias. Okay. So, what's this? Humberto Carrillo. Haven't heard that name versus Sheamus. I bet you Sheamus won that match. Yep, by referee stoppage, damn sure. Cedric Alexander versus Shelton Benjamin. Mm, this is strange. Shelton Benjamin wins by pinfall with T bone suplex. That's cool. Condition of the fans, but Oscar versus Rhea Ripley, really? Okay. Rhea Ripley wins with Riptide. Okay. <laughs> so that's what I mean by night and day is that certain results will make me question and certain results will make me say, Jesus Christ. I'm not shocked. So Drew McIntyre is interviewed backstage. So Damian Priest versus John Morrison. I bet you Damian Priest wins. I bet you he's going to win. Either that or there's going to be a dirty finish and it's going to involve the Miz. 
and that'll be it. For my WWE Raw synopsis. Enough, you know, chattering about AE dubs. I lied. We're going to discuss WWE. This is what I mean by night and day. They're trying to create something new for the fans because fans complain that they always do the same thing. Randy Orton's character is always the same. It's always bland. And Matt Riddle needs to get out of his shell and, you know, do something different. Or I can't believe you have Bad Bunny in WWE. It's like, okay, dudes, chill. All right. This is much better than what they had been doing. I mean, adding some flavor to New Day after the first, like, what, they've been almost a thing for, like, five years now? Almost five years. Maybe six. There's really nothing else you can do with New Day other than put them, I guess, as, as a symbol group with other tag teams. Add some flavor to them. Also, the whole Asuka, you know, jobbing to fucking Rhea Ripley, really. Asuka could wipe the floor with Rhea. Now she's losing to her like she lost to Charlotte Slayer, like she lost to Carmella, and like Asuka lost to, you know, several other females now. It's like, are you kidding me? That pisses me off that her and Shinsuke Nakamura on the SmackDown Live side of things is not getting the credibility that their characters deserve. And I don't understand it. That's why I tell you, and so I'm telling you all right here, right now on Wrestle Radio Network that if anything, WWE has a night and day contrast. One week they do great. They do great with their stories and they do good with the wrestling. And then the next week, it's a shit-tastic show. And they do really shitty. You know, with the quality of show that goes on. And it's confusing that Matt Riddle and Randy Orton are a pair, but you know what? I'm open for it. I mean, Matt Riddle's paired himself with Timothy Thatcher. He's paired himself with Pete Dunne. It's not uncommon for Matt Riddle to be paired up with a technical boring guy. And if Bret Hart was still around, I'd pretty much tell you that um, he's not. That's, that would be an interesting pairing, Matt Riddle and Bret Hart in his prime. I'm just telling you. WWE has the bad habit of doing things that make fans go, huh? So they just had, you know, a way of booking, right? A lazy way of booking. Let's just pair Matt Riddle and Orton up, you know, a new day. And I'm happy that there's less talking, though. I am very, very happy there's less talking. We just have shit-tastic matches like Sheamus versus Humberto Carrillo, really. Because fans in their general mindset, well, we've already seen Sheamus versus Randy. We've already seen Sheamus versus Edge. We've already seen Sheamus versus Joe Blow off the street. I get what they're trying to do, and I understand, and I appreciate it wholeheartedly. But what I mean by contrast is, like, the ratings one week will be in the 2.8s, and then the very next week it'll go down all the way to a 1.7 and that's because if you don't look if you look at the quality of wrestling that they're presenting you it's a no-brainer I don't want to see straight up wrestling matches all the time man I want to see 
at least some form of specialty matches. Like if it's a chain, if it's a dog collar match, or if it's um, a steel cage, like we got to see at WrestleMania. Anything that will make people's minds be stimulated with your shit would be much appreciated. Because if I'm watching AEW shit-tastic show, um, uh, you know, or match, I should say, Blood and Guts on AEW Dynamite last week, what it is that we did to you guys, because saying that those matches are entertaining is a farce, it's a fucking joke, really, if you think about it. As a wrestling fan, like I said, you're going to get different flavors of ice cream, metaphorically speaking. And what WWE is currently doing with their product and inputting the system, if you will, oh, we're going to give the fans a different look. Really? You're giving us a different look, all right? A look directly into the future of WWE, which is like, here's the, the way things are, and here's how it's going to be controlled, and last-minute booking changes and all this bullshit. Man, not only one person said it on another podcast, dude. Um, I guess Will Peden, the author of Heel Turn Comics. I mean, even a former WWE employee said it. There's one problem. And his name to avoid lawsuit, you know, potential, which I don't think they give a fuck, but I love him to death as a person. You know, he innovated a lot for a lot of the fans back in the day. WWE was around, but he didn't give credit to poor Howard Finkel, and that's kind of fucked up. But, And I mean that in the most sincerest of all ways. The night and day contrast is thanks to Vince McMahon. Sometimes it's gold because he's the one who sits there and approves a lot of the shit that goes down, like, okay, Vince, hey, do you want to, what if we do this segment, you know, instead of this? What if we move this time spot to this? Why do we move this promo to this time spot? And then he'll say, no, you got to do it this way. Or no, let's, you know, let's try this concept. Let's do this. He's not, it's not that he's not innovative. It's just the whole night and day theory comes from one week you had a great quality match. It's up to the players to execute the fucking match. Or actually, as Michael Hayes put it, and I don't really like quoting that man, but it's up to the players on the team. It's like a football team, like a football playbook. It's up to the players to execute the plays the way they were intended to be executed. There's one problem with that. You drove away, let's see, Keith Lee. You, for some reason put together a group that was led by somebody that really didn't need to be leading anybody, and I'm talking about Mustafa Ali. They took mediocrity from this dude, tried to make a group of it. It was fine when this group was running roughshod, but when you have names like T-Bar and, well, various other names that I forgot, Slapjack, it's just terrible. I just they put me again back down to NXT. Thank you. 
when they moved, uh, they should move Donovan Dijkovic back to NXT. There would have, could have, should have moves that are happening that makes the night and day contrast. Like NXT has its moments, in my opinion. I love watching Cameron Grimes. I love watching Timothy Thatcher and Tommaso Ciampa. Again, you know, if it's just straight-up wrestling matches week in and week out, it makes it harder for an audience member to be like, oh, yeah, I want to engross myself in your material. It makes it harder for us as fans to be like, okay, cool, yeah, I want to watch you fucking every week. It's night and day with WWE. There is no ifs, ands, or buts. One week can be great. The next week, complete and utter shit show. Meaning, there'd be maybe one or two matches that should have been shifted on the position where they were on the card. And I'm talking about the tag team match between GYB and Thatcher and Chompa should have had implications of what a number one contendership should be. Because... NXT is doing all these takeover revamps of old shows like Fully Loaded and, you know, Insurrection and all. Well, I, mean, I don't know if they do Insurrection, but they're doing revamps like In Your House, I believe. They, you know, they might do Fully Loaded. I'm not sure, sir. But if you have any questions, it's Wrestle underscore Radio. If you have any other questions, it's on Twitter where you can reach me at. <clears throat> at underscore Brian Rails on Twitter and good old fashioned Facebook moniker of Russell Radio Network forward slash Facebook dot com. Any questions, comments, or concerns I will answer during the show or after the show goes off air and I'll be glad to answer your questions, all right? Anyways, as I was saying If you really, truly want to know the difference between now and back then, you know, that's totally night and day. ECW, WWE, WCW were all three running at the same time. And they're really, you know, it brought out how Vince, you know, copied and pasted the format from ECW, applied it to his group of guys and gals, made it so, you know, with Vince Russo copied and pasted the format of Jerry Springer, and that's why the ratings were up, because college kids were watching this. High school, everybody and their brother's mother was watching programming. Now you switch to now, they're like, oh, that wrestling shit, I used to watch it back in the day. Totally night and day, compare and contrast, man. When programming allowed gigging, when programming allowed them to get creative with violence, you know. That's what wrestling's supposed to be, the form of escapism for fans who want to escape their own realities. Well, at least from my perspective. Anyways, I'll get more in-depth on tonight's <clears throat> themes for tonight's show, which is Blood and Guts Reprised and then WWE's Night and Day Theory. <clears throat> so, bear with me, folks. The following content contains expletives and language not suitable for kids or minors under the age of 18. 
If they go repeating it to their high school principal before graduation, I don't give a fuck because I'm, they're not my child. Two, Off the Rails and Censored is a trademark podcast. It's coined and phrased, Off the Rails, Uncensored. <clears throat> Any show done similar to or with likeness or the title of Off the Rails or Uncensored, Off the Rails, Uncensored. You will be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law, and a $45 fine will be implemented for every use of the phrase off the rails uncensored, all rights reserved, 2021 incorporated. (laughs) Buckle up, fuckers, because you're about to get inside my head even more. Even more. For monkeys in the truck, could you... um... Please do me a favor and play my music. bombs that are about to drop, I apologize, well look, they're not so much pipe bombs if there's facts, so dropping facts is not a fucking problem, let's start off with AEW, shall we, if I was to tell you that AEW would be a company three years ago, I probably would have laughed at you and said, well, it's a nice thought, and I know Cody Rhodes really wants to create a company that will drive fans Away from WWE, from only you know, a personal experience was it personal? I don't know. I think that he still has a good standing relationship with Vince. I believe Chris Jericho. I don't know if he, um, personally speaking, has a good personal relationship with Vince. But when you put on stuff. That's very similar to the concept and theme of War Games, which NXT adapted that very first, you know, their very first installment in Houston Texans uh, at the Toyota Center in 2017. And yes, it's the traditional one big, actually, yeah, one big cage, two rings. And these guys, without fucking gigging, you know, they used hardcore weapons. They used the tables. They used the elements to make the match connect. And so did the women. The women had a War Games match. What's next? You're going to do a women's match inside Blood and Gut? Because, I mean, I, Thunder Rosa and Rip Baker are your only two stars to do that. I just about had enough of AEW claiming that they're original, that they do things that WWE can't. True. I mean, you gigged on fucking national TV, and it didn't look fucking real, which is my biggest beef. My trainer pointed that out while he was watching, you know, Blood and Guts, and he saw... MJF's face, it looks like it dried up and caked, and blood doesn't have that color and hue. It doesn't look like the corn syrup type shit that you see in Hollywood when someone like John Claude Van Damme 
is in a fight scene and the blood comes off his face, like honestly, that's not legit blood. That's fucking shit that's drawn up, you know, from the creators and the costume and wardrobe people that do that shit. So to me, that was a fucking shame, man. You're gonna sit there and tell me that was an actual blood and guts match. Actually, four of the other dudes on the other team fucking gig, including FDR, Dash, and Dawson, which is funny. They kept their fucking names, but they changed the name of their tag team. Also, Ortiz, Santana and Ortiz. I mean, all of us, okay, obviously things can change in wrestling. You know, they don't always have to be the heels. They don't always have to be the baby faces. I'm not pissed off about that. I'm more ticked off with the fact that, you know, this is a good group of guys. I don't know about a good group of guys, but there comes a point when AEW will realize that if you keep putting main event quality matches on live television, it's going to come back to bite you in the ass. That's my only thing. The guys that work in AEW... Let me see, I know a few of them that are on AEW Dark. I said a few. Alexander Gold, Spencer Slade, you know. Mike Seidel is definitely not in AEW Dark, but that's it's another subject for another day of knowing who I don't know. I'm on talk about blood and guts. Reprised. If I was to sit and imagine a match blindfolded, that could be even more shit-tastic if I was actually blind. But I'm, you know, I'm not. And I'm not excusing the fact that AEW could have done better with said match. Because if not, you know, with the whole Jericho falling off, you know, telling MJF, you know, fucking do it. Because I guarantee in the back of his mind he's thinking, well, should I do it? They probably fucking disgusted in the back like you're throwing me off the top of the cage. I mean, that's literally how it may have gone or may not have gone. I, don't, I could see the nervousness in MJF's eyes like, should I fucking do it or just one big tease? That's what I've been trying to say was like, um, I'm not so sure AEW realizes that, you know, yes, they are winning the ratings were still, even though the fact that NXT moved to fucking Tuesdays, they're still winning it because they're doing all these specialty matches. I mean, I dare, okay, I dare AEW have a regular match week. No specialties. Not one. No steel chairs. Nothing. Because these guys are just as bad, you know, when ECW was around and they had Sabu who can barely fuck work without a steel chair and jumping off said steel chair. That was his fucking entire gimmick was using a chair, using tables, because ECW was known as Extreme Rules. AEW's all elite. Well, so far the booking has been by all the elites. And are they bad workers? No. Sometimes you mess up in your line of work. It doesn't matter if it's wrestling, baseball, football, you have a fuck-up. Sammy Guevara fucked up when he was trying to do the, you know, go behind exchange, which kind of the oddest sequence of wrestling, but there seems to be something missing, especially, you know, after watching it for three years, I've seen 
Some guys go back, you know, to retirement. Some guys stick with it because it's, you know, paying them fairly well. But I just want to point out, if you keep doing the main event WCW field to things, like Goldberg versus Hogan should have been a pay-per-view a long time ago. Goldberg versus Nash and Hall. Goldberg versus Nash. Goldberg versus Hall. Uh, Mr. Perfect versus a lot of, you know, versus Sting. Sting versus Gold. Those matches, for example, should have been put on Halloween Havoc. Should have been put on Starcade. Too little too late because WCW went out of business, what, officially in 2001? Same thing with AEW. They're eventually going to be noticed by certain fans that are very nitpicky and say, why are you booking main event style matches, but you're booking them on live TV? Dumb as all fuck. That's all I'm going to say. Now, moving on to WWE's, you know, night and day theory. One week, they have a bunch of interviews and promos, and the next week, it's maybe three or four matches to begin the night, and then the next week, it's back to promos again. Did it ever occur to you guys that when you put together kind of, I would love to see this match, only workers are going to be like, Oh, well, I thought that was very good quality. You know, the ebb and flow was great, and the matches was gimmicked this way. It's kind of funny to fucking hear. But you know what? Who cares? I'd much rather tell the truth than to ever conform to what people believe as the uh, humble opinion or I really think you should think this way. I call bullshit. If Roddy Piper was around, he'd tell you the same shit. It's very night and day. Especially, it takes a lot of years to develop a gimmick and get comfortable with. Some guys, they adapt right away to it because Matt Riddle, that will cease it. Damian Priest, though, I mean, he had to go through punishment Martinez, get released, come back. It's always going to be one of those things that we'll never completely fully understand as to why WWE does things the way they do. They do. Trust me, they do. They they somewhat know what they're doing when they give us pay-per-views like hmm, WrestleMania 37 in two nights. That was all I can tell you. Um, as far as the pay-per-view coming up, Backlash WrestleMania, I'm not so sure, but okay. Maybe they're going to do us a solid and have at least one of the titles change hands or they can wait till SummerSlam. Or maybe, I don't know, there's just going to be full capacity maybe? I'm not sure. But the reason why I say night and day is because one week, not just promos, but there'll be new tag teams formed and that tag team dies in four weeks or it dies in two to three months. NXT, what happened? Now it's starting to get good with the quality of booking because Karrion Cross, Jim Balor, Kyle O'Reilly. Hopefully Pete Dunne and 
others, you know. Night and day on NXT now, too, and it's kind of fun, I guess, if you want to assimilate yourself into what main roster may not be or may be. What I mean by that is kind of interviews. NXT used to not do that. I mean, they would grab a microphone only after it was post-match, and they'd start, you know, talking shit or doing whatever. So I just wanted to convey my concern, which is what happens when that runs into a brick wall also? When promos are not going to be enough to get NXT through, there needs to be a big-name star that comes down there and helps out. Also, there needs to be a big-name star that comes into WWE because it's not really doing all that great. So, trying to shape up, motherfuckers. <laughs> trying to shape up, meaning, yes, you got flavor, but add some seasoning to it, dude. By seasoning, put some fucking pepper behind this shit. If I can't, as a fan, relate, not just me, but other fans are like, well, this is why we tune into AEW. Or this is why we tune into NWA. Because the wrestling isn't the fucking problem. It's the booking that gets WWE in trouble. Like last hour changes on a match. And instead of it being a solo match, it's going to be a six-man tag or a six-woman tag. Or let's pair this team together this week and see what they do. It's like, no, stop. Wait a minute, let's just put some church in, in this. I want to watch a real wrestling, real good wrestling show. I just want to be told a story by the heel and the fucking face. That's it. I don't need all this fucking extravagant bullshit matches that haven't had, you know, be on the up and up. I'm guarantee you Lashley didn't fucking lose. And keep booking in the beat McIntyre, which doesn't make sense. Anything make sense in professional wrestling? I guess not anymore. So, folks, I got work tomorrow, so I'm going to vamos, if you will. But I'm going to start off by saying, <clears throat> before I go, night and day theory with WWE is true. It's not just a theory. It's fucking true. Oh, it's damn true. And as far as AEW is concerned... There needs to be a little bit less than what you're presenting. It'd be fine. All right, folks. If you didn't like what good old Brian Rails had to say, then I got three choice words for you. Forget about it. Two little bitches, I got to go to bed for real. Personality, the cultural personality.